0: The Power Trip is a proud member of the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network. You can find more more phenomenal Kaiju and Tokusatsu content at kaijuramanmedia.com.
1: What's up everyone? It is JDF the Green Ranger and you are listening to The Power Trip. It's morphin' time.
0: Yessaa! Hello, listeners with Attitude. I'm Michael, and here with me is my co-host, Nate Marchand. Yo! And with us is a very special guest that we are both extremely excited to talk to. Uh, she I mean, was... she might
1: be a distant cousin for all I know. <laughs> That's <true. laughs> I mean, I made the
0: joke off cast. I mean, we're literally going to talk to someone who wrote my entire childhood. And uh, and the lady we are talking about was a writer, a story editor, and co-producer for the amazing Power Rangers franchise, Miss Jackie Marchand. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Hi guys, thank you for having me on the podcast.
0: Absolutely. Thank <laughs> you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to do this with us. Uh it it's an honor. My pleasure. Thank you for asking.
1: Yeah, you're, you're yes, thank you very much. I'm not sure what else to say at the moment, but uh <laughs> <laughs> Nate's a little starstruck.
0: It's fine. No, no, no. Uh, I'm, it's sure. all
1: good. I'm one of those weirdos who gets starstruck over writers, I admit. Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. Those
2: are those are my favorite kind of uh kind of people.
1: Well, I, I am also a writer, so I totally get it.
2: (laughs) But
0: but we have been admirers of your work for a long time. Me, I've been a long time fan, Nathan. I've drugged Nathan along this journey with me (laughs) me on this podcast. Uh, And we have been huge fans of your work. So like getting it, sitting down to talk to you is, is, is a real privilege. So thank you so much. You're welcome. It is really
3: my
2: pleasure to be here. So um, yeah. that's, all, that's all cool. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, let's dive right into our questions then. We, we did, I don't know if you saw this, we did add a couple of more, but they're pretty innocuous, I would say. <laughs> I'll so, wing it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's what you have to do as a writer, right? You just make it up as you go. <laughs> right. All right. So, I actually, as the you know also as a writer, I, I love asking of my fellow writers how they go about their craft and everything. and I also like asking, so first off, when did you discover you loved writing and storytelling?
3: Well,
2: I always loved writing. It was my favorite subject in school. Mm. but I definitely had an affinity for um, TV growing up, which I think, mm really informed my storytelling kind of uh, formatting or my the, the bones of like how I start a story, you know, exactly. I kind of paid attention to the plots I was watching even when I was a kid and how they, they were constructed. So when I first attempted to write an episode, I, I had that a little bit of background just from the, the, the amount of TV I grew up watching. I was a huge mm-hmm. TV kid.
1: Mm, mm. what were some of your favorite shows growing up
2: well i loved uh saturday morning cartoons big big cartoons, uh... <laughs> and like for shows i was like a big brady bunch Gilligan's island kind of <laughs> person. and you know those 30 minute episodes where they just would uh tell a funny story or a sweet story and
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know those are my favorites
0: yeah mm. I mean I grew I grew up w- watching those shows as well. Like that was uh Brady Bunch, I Dream of Jeanie, Bewitched, those sh- yep. uh, uh Dick Van- the Dick Van Dyke show. Those are the shows that I cut my teeth on growing up because that was always that's what was always playing in my house. My my parents loved those types of shows, specifically my mother loved those types of shows. So yeah, I I grew up appreciating uh some of the classics. Those mm-hmm.
2: are classics. All really good shows, and especially something like Dick Van Dyke, like really, still stands up just as a strong. Oh yeah. Writer. Oh,
1: most definitely. I mean, the comedy in that is timeless, as far as I care. And it's small. <laughs> and I wish more people, Michael. I do wish more people our age appreciated those shows <laughs> oh
0: i do too because the, the 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 comedy and the writing in those early shows were i feel like was very smart compared to now that that doesn't discount shows today that have some there are shows with very smart writing but it, there was just something special about those early shows right me. right had comedians
2: writing them for the most part like really strong comedians writing them mm. uh, and there's there's was just less content back then. Like now just like there's so much content
1: that strong writing really rises above. Mm -hmm. I mean, what was, what are all of the, you know, like people in our parents' generation, others like when I was growing up, I only had three TV stations. I'm like, okay. (laughs) 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 I'm waiting for someone to try to upstart, to try to upstage that and say like, I only had two. I'm like, well, I guess your life sucked one third more. Okay. whatever.
2: <laughs> well, they had to sit around and listen to the radio before that. So, oh, that's,
1: that's true. Yeah. States,
2: uh, we just had a radio and it had one.
1: <laughs> yeah, and now people are just gonna say all I have is my iPhone and podcasts.
2: Right? Well, they even <laughs> like, have uh, Apple TV.
1: <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's like I feel like the audio drama space has really ticked up. In, oh, the, yeah. in, in the last few years. And that, I, th- I feel like that's a callback to some of the old radio programs, some of the old radio mm-hmm. serials that you would hear uh, mm-hmm. back well, well before, well before mine and Nathan's time.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: it's, it's just such a, I love good storytelling, especially mm-hmm. if, if a writer and, and a voice actor or whoever can tell a good story without visuals. I, I, that's mm-hmm. to me, that's really powerful stuff.
2: I think I, I agree. I agree. It can be a very fun and strong storytelling medium. Mm-hmm. It's not out of date. It's it's kind of forever. If if you can mm. grab a listener with a with a good story, then you're still putting those images in their heads, whether it's mm-hmm. just with audio
0: or not.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm, for sure,
0: Jackie. I'm curious. What were what were some of the what were some of the main influences? what were some of the main influences for your writing style or as you were developing your writing style? I should say.
1: Yeah. Influences, inspirations.
2: Yeah. Let's see. Like I said, those, those early shows when I was a kid and then I was a huge Buffy fan. Like I oh, was Buffy I, the
1: vampire slayer. Yeah. Yes.
2: Like I <laughs> like
1: that, that very- actually makes a lot of sense. It does. Well, that yeah. is, you
2: know, there was kind of a lot of crossover—not crossover, but there's a lot of sim- similarities. Although we couldn't do all the stuff that they could do on Buffy, it's still, you know, teenagers, monsters, mm-hmm. monster of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't quite as serialized, but the, the humor, the friendship, like a lot of those themes, it was just more um, mature. But I thought, you know, that's just a. a when the show was on, I thought, wow, well, this show is really taking sci-fi and monsters to a really fun and could be scary place as well." So I was super into that.
1: Yeah, huh? Uh, so, did you prefer the show or the movie?
2: Um, I got hooked really into the show. Okay, in the serialized version of the show, but I've always like I'm a huge, huge Godzilla movie fan since I was.
3: <gasps> you are god.
2: I got- <laughs> and and so are we (laughs) this is
3: exciting
2: i I still was watching one last night i was watching terror Method godzilla
0: last night yes Um, (laughs) oh well okay the podcast is now over because nathan (laughs) won't be able to contain himself now thanks a lot Uh, Jackie. i'm sorry
1: i'm sorry terror was one of (laughs) it was my first godzilla film and remains one of my favorites to this day and to find out that jackie marchand loves it
2: it's a really great one it's a yeah, really good no, thing. it's
0: it, it's it's really interesting because um, I was I, I was actually watching uh, in between trying to watch Samurai. I was watching uh, War of the Gargantuas last night. Oh, uh, nice. It was on it was on Comet, and both Nate and I come primarily from the kaiju space, like Godzilla, oh. Gamera, mm-hmm. Kong. Those those properties. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we both have other podcasts that focus primarily on kaiju.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. I will listen
1: to those. Yes. Uh, Uh, Well, I'll pass those along to you once we've wrapped things up here. (laughs) Yes. Uh,
0: The Ranger stuff has just been kind of a passion project. So um, I was just kind of curious, how were you approached or how did you approach uh, Saban for your first writing gig with the franchise?
2: Well, I kind of lucked into it um, because a friend I knew, um, at the time, the story editor was, uh, was Doug Sloan. He mm-hmm. was looking for an assistant. And um, he approached my friend, and she couldn't do it. And yeah. I had been on a, a show briefly before that, so I had a little bit of uh, like production uh, intern experience. So I went to interview with Doug, and um, he liked me, and I got the job. So I started with him, and at first it was just writing assistant duties. But pretty soon after that, I would start. He would ask me to implement notes from the network or do some light editing, mm. give give notes on a script, just, just more writerly duties um, on my plate. Then probably about, I want to say about six months in, Mm -hmm. He asked he, he saw that I had like a, a a good story sense. He asked me if I wanted to write an episode, a a spec just to see how I would do. And I did that. And, um, I was on my way. I started producing. I started, um, writing episodes like all the time, right Mm -hmm. after that, right after my first uh, spec.
1: Mm -hmm. Do you remember what your, the first episode you ever wrote was? I wanna say
2: it's Rita's Pita. I'm pretty sure it is. Oh wow.
1: Yeah. Rita's PETA. Yeah. I'm Rita's looking Pita. at your writing credits on the Ranger wiki and they they list your first one as the Potion Notion.
2: You know, um, You know, I'm not sure. I think yeah. I Rita's pita
1: was, was, was the, the next one on the list. Yeah, Rita, say, Rita's, Rita's pita was
2: the one. Fun. Was um, produced first. I, I I always thought it was Rita's pita, but it, yeah,
1: I'm going to take your word over Ranger Wiki. Yeah, so that's, right. that's always been <laughs> my memory, but it's
2: so long ago now. Like, <laughs> or it is Rita's pita. I mean, they're both yeah. really stupid. So whichever one. Does.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I am curious when when. um, when you were brought in to write something like Rita's PETA, what was your first reaction to that? I, I am curious. Like what was going through your mind?
2: Well, you know, at, at that time the, and, and with Doug's sensibility, it was, mm-hmm. it was very playful. Like mm-hmm. the, the show itself was very silly and playful and, and yeah. still kind of new. So it was before we started delving into a little bit more serious storylines and demographic was really young.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So we were very free to just kind of use our, imag- our imaginations and go nuts. You know, we would yeah. just come up with kooky ideas and execute them and just crank out episodes. If you had an idea that, you know, when the monsters are so ridiculous, I think that one, it was a giant, like, mouth or something. It was a giant yes. mouth?
0: Uh that was I think I believe Rita's Pita was season three, so you're adapting things from Kaku Ranger at that point. Yeah,
2: that yeah. that sounds familiar because they did come in.
1: Yeah, uh, it's a giant mouth, I'm looking at it right it's now. A yes. giant
2: mouth, so it's like what kind of story are you gonna write? I just thought about, you know, eating, and that was probably in the Sentai.
1: So um Yeah, The, think, the the Ravenator.
2: The ravenator, yeah. I'm pretty yes. sure that was my first one. So what I would do is I think for that, for my first one and for subsequent ones, the, the procedure was to come up with three different concepts. So, so bouncing off the monster, like you have a giant mouth, you have a giant purse or you have a giant, whatever, come up sure. with three story ideas and I would pitch them to Doug. And then shortly after it was Doug in in and, and Austin, um, they would pick the one that they liked the best or that seemed most viable with the with the um footage Mm -hmm. and we would go to outline after that but you just write a paragraph like tommy is a health food nut but the ravenator makes him crave junk food Mm -hmm. something like that and and just something the basic idea
1: yeah suddenly finding out that you grew up loving classic sitcoms makes mighty morphin make more sense
0: <laughs> it does it does especially that especially yeah. that season three
2: huh. you know it's just they were much more standalone episodes back then mm-hmm. and and just almost in a sitcom kind of format where where mm-hmm. we did uh, we did have to structure with a cold opening and two, um, three acts and three mm-hmm. uh, megazord fight and so mm-hmm. there was a formula that we stuck to and a an A story
1: and a B story. Mm. So giving our listeners a chance to get some inside baseball on this to hear what the process is like. I mean, it's it's not just as simple as you just sit down and po- pound out a story and then you know, send it to whoever and they make it. No, there's a process that goes yeah. into this.
0: Uh Jackie, I want I wanted to piggyback off of something that you just said, where you would pitch like two to three ideas. So, in those ideas, were there things that you knew you could get away with, one that you hoped that you could get away with, and then and one that you, in the back of your mind, thought, no, this is never going to fly for tele for kids television.
2: Well, I would I would say we pretty quickly got a vibe of what would pass and what wouldn't pass.
1: Mm-hmm. So.
2: I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time pitching ideas that I—it's just a waste of energy. You know that it's sure. not going to fly uh, past BS and and I knew the, I knew the standards and practice people very well. Sometimes during in the script, I would put little things in that I knew that they would flag, but I wouldn't pitch a whole concept to them that I, you know, Fox Kids skewed very young back then, so yeah. they their, their sensors. And also Power Rangers, you know, got a reputation yeah. for being violent and fighty. So we wouldn't
0: want to ruffle the oh, yeah. ears of the sensors um, too much. Yeah, which is, we've talked a lot about on this show how, like, see, for me personally, season two is one of my favorite seasons of the show, particularly those first, I'd say, 10 to 15 episodes, when Zed and the Moon Crew are legitimately scary. And then... We notice as it as the series goes along, it becomes more uh, the 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 villains become more silly or a more a more lighthearted. And we just always assume that was due to the due to the what we call the mom groups or the mm-hmm. the groups that were just trying to advocate for uh, for the for children's television too much violence, et cetera. Mm-hmm.
2: We did get with 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 the with the fame, with the giant, with the enormous fame of the show did come more, more um, parents groups and eyes on us and Mm -hmm. more scrutiny from the censors about violence. So uh, that was a little bit before it came on. I'm sure that had to do with the change in tone. We would get Mm -hmm. notes, you know, too scary, too scary. So we had to pull back and the tone would become sillier.
0: What were some of the things, Jackie, that, you would put into put into these scripts that you that would get flagged. Like, what were the type of things that that you would that you put in that you hoped would make it, but you knew kind of that would get flagged. Swears. <laughs> Swears. Uh, okay, gotcha. Okay, yeah. You actually put profanity in these. things? I like it.
2: I put them in the first draft just because I knew the censor probably just to give her a laugh and kind of wake her up. <laughs> uh, And we had a good relationship with the sensors. So I would kind of sneak something in there and the notes would come back. Um, You know, shame on you, Jackie. And, uh, you know, just for a a joke. But like I said, I got to know their sensibilities um, pretty well. So I wouldn't waste my time with the whole thing trying to get it under the radar because the radar was,
1: was so strong. Sure. Do you yeah. still have any of these first draft scripts? Because I want to read them.
2: <laughs> I wonder. I don't know. I, I think I probably do not. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. There's some notes from the censors that I got about. um Putties that weren't tucked in. Um, <laughs> That was not that was just you know more of a wardrobe thing I would think. Right. Yeah. 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 Some Uh, of the Japanese monsters were kind of you know provocative, like a little bit. Yeah. Sometimes Especially when we you watch a Sentai, and we're
1: like, oh, "Nope, uh, absolutely yeah, we've, not." We've watched enough Super <laughs> Sentai to know that there were some monsters where Saban's like, "Nope." we yeah. <laughs> wouldn't even,
2: We would just mark those as NG, no good.
1: So no good, yeah. Well, that. But then there were still some ones that I couldn't believe got a pass. Like I can't remember his name, but there was a monster in season three that was literally a dude in a trench coat and he would open up the trench coat yeah Yeah. (laughs) and he and it was just filled with eyes and i'm like how did that get (laughs)
2: past i don't know there was a lot of there was a lot of weird stuff and there's still (laughs) weird stuff you know that's part of just the 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 charm and the humor of the sentai it just some of it's gonna fly and some of it's not gonna fly for sure right
1: for sure right so I was—I uh, wanted to know who was your favorite character to write and why.
2: You know, I thought about that when I read your question list. I always like writing for the villains. Oh, um, oh, okay. I mean, we had so many good ranger actors. It would be—it wouldn't be fair to me to pick any oh, yeah. particular ranger. Um. I always loved writing for Rita because she is kind of always cranky and funny. <laughs> you know, I think if I, was, if I was a kid, I would find her scary because, um, I used to watch like HR Puffin stuff, and
0: oh, um, yeah, yeah,
2: like Witchy Poo was really scary to me
0: mm-hmm.
2: when i was a kid, but now oh, yeah. I it, it's like she's so silly and crazy. It's obviously a comedic performance, but since she was a witch. I still found her scary, and I think mm-hmm. it's found Rita scary, even though she, you know, was just a big blowhard and screaming and
1: yeah. And yeah, I always, I always figured that the Wicked Witch of the West from Wizard of Oz was a pretty Cute big influence. influence on Rita. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Well, you know, I've I've said like she is probably the scariest villain ever created because she doesn't have any. Humor or remorse, you know. She's like, throw mm. that dog in the river. And when I was a kid, I'd be like, holy <laughs> shit! It's <laughs> so mean. Yeah, Rita. Rita definitely is not as as mean as the Wicked Witch, but that was a you know such an iconic
0: character, right? For Sure. What was the most challenging character for you to, that you had to write for, Jackie?
2: I I can't say that any of them were really challenging. It was more like servicing as many characters as we could, given the limitations of what we had. Like some seasons, I would just admit, say, oh, we should have given this ranger more focused episodes, or we didn't really... Shine a light on this person as much as we could. And, and a lot of that's just production decisions, uh, how much footage we had to use. I mean, we tried to definitely give focus episodes to all the Rangers, but
3: mm-hmm.
2: there's just not enough time. And with yeah. the secondary characters and all the nonsense going on, and, you know, when you have to have a giant Megazord fight, it's just not, right. you just yeah. don't have the time.
0: Yeah, it's one of the, one of the seasons, one of the seasons that we recently talked about that felt like it it suffered a little, it's supporting cast kind of suffered a little bit, uh, was Mystic Force. There's Mm -hmm. a very strong focus on Nick, the Red Ranger in that one. And it feels like some of the rest of the cast suffer a little bit. Um, but I, I think that was probably due to the, just the amount of Sentai footage, right? That's exactly
2: right. I mean, we were just, we there's a directive to use a certain amount of footage and to mm-hmm. use, I mean, it's a budgetary thing. Yeah. So yeah. when you break down all the episodes and there's a ton of Red Ranger footage, it's our directive mm-hmm. to use it. And if it's a, a, a ton of Red Ranger footage, then you kind of skew the the plot towards the Red Ranger. So yeah. I agree. I love that cast. I just saw. I was just at the Ranger Con yesterday, the Morpha mm.
3: and I was on the Mystic
2: Force panel, oh. and it was super fun to be with those folks. Um, and, and that discussion came up, like that very thing
1: came up. Mm. Yeah, it's a big topic of discussion in the Ranger fandom.
2: Yeah, and sure. I love that cast. I love. I love everybody. That was one of our strongest casts, and and I agree. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, we should have done more with Vita. We should have done more with Chip. Yeah. um, Yeah.
1: I think we said that in our episode, Michael. It's like there's a lot of potential with these characters, but the show's – mildly obsessed with nick and
0: <laughs> well it wasn't mildly obsessed but i get why i get why that had to happen like right. what we what we said jackie what like one of the things that for me in particular i loved about mystic force was some of the unique visuals Whoa. and um it was very unique for <laughs> not just supercent not just power rangers but also super sentai it felt like like because at the time i think we determined at the time this was at the height of like potter mania so uh, Harry Potter was a, was still a uh, a worldwide phenomenon at that point, point. Um, and it just felt it it just feels like an incredibly unique season.
2: Yeah, I was saying that yesterday. that kind of uh, the very same thing, like as far as unique seasons go, like that one was one where we really built a world. Like some of the seasons mm-hmm. are more mm-hmm. vague. Like it's like dinosaurs or or technology but this one was very magic based Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and uh, I think it had a very strong identity for, for all the flaws in that season. And there there were some, I still love that season in the fact that we got to um, play with the themes of magic. And we had also themes of acceptance, like, you know, Mm -hmm. don't go to the woods. We're afraid of those people and the woods Mm -hmm. people afraid of the city people, the city people were afraid mm-hmm. of the woods people. And then at the end, by joining together and conquering that fear, they beat the baddie. So I thought mm-hmm. I liked the way that we were able to kind of drive that message home. Hopefully we did.
1: Yeah. Well it's interesting because we we spent a lot of time talking about thematics on our show. So we we might pick your brain a little bit about that. See how close we got with some of our ideas. Also I do want to add Claire from Mystic Force is adorable. I, love <laughs> she was <her>.
2: I <laughs> loved writing for her and I loved you Donna. I mean, we could have just Donna.
1: Yeah. yeah played by her. a wonderful actress, by the way, She, she really brought gravity to that role.
2: We were so lucky to have her. Like she was like a real actress that just mm-hmm. did bring this dignity and mm-hmm. to the role. Uh, I always felt very fortunate that we had mm-hmm. her on the show and she was right. such a nice woman as well. So.
1: Right. Is it, I do is have it, a quick question. Did, how much of Genji's dialogue did you actually script because I swear that guy could ad-lib like Robin <laughs> Williams.
2: <laughs> I think we scripted a lot of it, but I think I think they were definitely going for that funny genie vibe. I can't remember um I mean we I, I'm sure the the actor ad, ad-libbed somewhat, but that's yeah. the vibe that we were going for, someone really funny.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Did you have so a question, Michael? I was gonna say it's. I was just gonna make a an observation. I, I. I. It's. It's safe to say. I think Jackie that Mystic Force is your favorite season of Power Rangers that you've worked on.
2: I don't think I. You know I. I really don't like to pick a favorite. So I. I really love Mystic Force. Um, I love Jungle Fury has a, a place in my heart. Oh. And Storm does, and then Time Force does. So it's like mm. there's. A, There are are many that I really think came out great and many that I just have like great memories from. So Mm -hmm. like personal affection for the show.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, We just published an episode on Jungle Fury and uh, we actually praised an episode that you wrote on that episode. We singled it out very specifically. (laughs) Which one was it? Uh, (laughs) i I believe it was path of the righteous which was was, the penultimate episode
0: it was path of the righteous
2: yeah i don't even remember what what i did in that one but i'm glad you liked
1: it Uh, that was the one where our red ranger confronts daishi Mm -hmm. and it's it's a very emotional confrontation and Mm -hmm. that was one of the reasons we loved it as much as we did because it wasn't just a cool fight it was one that had a lot of story weight to it yeah you know, there's this big part. It was, it was a personal fight, too. It was these two characters who were in conflict with each other on a very, like I said, on a very personal level, because you have the Red Ranger who's trying to prove himself as a Pai master. And he's trying to save someone that he's being told is irredeemable.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah it's all it's all coming back to me now that's one that we we talked out a lot and we were able to make it more story driven which mm. which i always more more character and story driven is my instinct always even though the, the the action sequences are second to none on rangers it's it's mm. like yeah. trying to find that balance cuz you do want the audience to take away you know to feel something to feel right yeah moved by right. the
1: story mm-hmm. yeah which yeah. Uh, honestly I, I think both michael and i would say some of our favorite seasons of the show so far this whole the whole franchise have been ones that were had very strong characters and really yeah. leaned into those characters in order to make the stories even better and yeah you know, they were, they've mostly been from your run on the show, (laughs) on the franchise, I should say.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, that is my personal, um, that's my, I, I try and put my, my heart into it and try Mm -hmm. and try and write stories that, that have an impact, you know, Mm -hmm. always finding that balance with, with the budget and the time constrictions and Mm -hmm. just trying, to cobble together a story that somebody will remember. And um, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: yeah, we, we talked about uh, on that episode where jungle fury feels like kind of a sleeper season because it's wedged Mm -hmm. between one season. That's not as it's, that's not well received received. yeah and one that's incredible. That's incredible and deserves to be praised in RPM. And Uh, you know, the, the, the path of the righteous is a, is a standout episode because it kind of flips, uh, a a common Ranger trope on its, on its head a little bit where a lot of in past seasons to up the ante or up the threat level, like the villains would typically invade the, the, the command base or the base of operations for our Rangers. Well, in the path of the righteous, Casey literally goes into the lion's den to pull out (laughs) Jared. Which is,
1: which is kind of literal in a way, because (laughs) she's a lion.
0: (laughs) Yes. But I did actually have a question and I can't take credit for this question. This actually came from Marvin Ellis in our Facebook group, and it does have to do with Jungle Fury. So his question was, what were some of the concepts hurt by the writer's strike during Jungle Fury?
2: Oh, gosh, Well, you know, I know that we had arced out most of the first half of that season, and I and if I'm correct, we were kind of chasing Sentai episodes that um, that second half of the season, which which happened from time to time, like that mm-hmm. we were doing the same season as the Sentai, so we didn't actually know what was going to happen in the Sentai, so we weren't able to arc out the whole season. So I think when, when we went on strike, there were still some, like we had not arced out all the characters or what we wanted to have happen in, in those episodes. So when the other writers took over, um, they, they just took, they just kind of created their own arc. I, I can't hmm. really say that I, um, uh, remember what what they
0: you know some personal sure. weirdness to so mm-hmm. sure yeah we were we were just kind of curious we that's a i feel like it's a really interesting question to ask because we were trying to determine what exactly was kind of going on behind the scenes because because mm-hmm. during that uh what we kind of pinpointed as the writer strike that kind of middle that middle portion of um of that of the season um we felt like maybe daishi jared that story kind of was a was put on ice a little bit and then Mm -hmm. it picked back up after the strike was over we were just we were just curious and wondering if if you had any insight there Mm -hmm.
2: i think they were just trying to and this is how it goes with power rangers just trying to feed scripts into the production monster that's what we used to call it Used to have to <laughs> generate scripts so quickly, like the the production monster needs scripts to eat.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah. because that is such a budgetary thing, like <laughs> the the production shuts down, and that is a, a great loss of money. So um, you know, Disney's directive was to keep the machine fed, and they they did so. Um, so I think probably I can't, I can't. I don't know what those writers were thinking, but they were probably just trying to generate producible scripts as sure. quickly as possible. Sure.
1: I suddenly have this image of the studio as Audrey Two um, <laughs> the <laughs> Shop of
0: Horrors.
2: It's <laughs> Feed
1: me, Jackie.
3: From, um,
0: oh God.
2: That's what it feels like. It's no oh. joke. If I tell other TV writers, like, that I've met, you know, that we used to do 50 episodes a year. They just, like, fall on their face. What are you, 50 episodes <laughs> a year? It's like, it, it, we used to do that.
1: I mean, that's, that's what Super Sentai does.
2: <laughs> yeah, they just do it. I mean, it's just, that was um, just the nature, the nature of, and, and, and that's another, yeah. Um, challenge was we would shoot in blocks so you would have to get three producible decent scripts to shoot on the same locations um uh, on budget with the actors that we had like there's all these um challenges that you have to Mm -hmm. meet that's that's Mm -hmm. where coming up with any sort of strong story arc or you know you just have to do it you just crank it out sometimes And sometimes you just have to make an episode that's all footage and Mm -hmm. it's just not going to be that memorable, Mm -hmm. but it's a necessity.
1: Right. Yeah. We've, we've done a lot of reading into the behind the scenes work and some of these (laughs) curveballs that if the people working on it like yourself, we get thrown and then you just, you have to roll with it. You know, Uh, famously in power Rangers lost galaxy when the yeah. her her name is escaping me now suddenly but valerie. the yeah valerie valerie vernon that's right oh and she uh she got the leukemia diagnosis and you know and then she had to leave the show for a while and i'm sure that that was a big curveball <laughs> the <laughs> fact that the rest of that season came out as well as it did i think it's a testimony to how hard you and the rest of that crew worked <laughs>
2: Well, we had to scramble, and I remember Doug and Ann and and I were like, well, "What do we do? What can we do? What can we do?" Um, and I think we we just came up with some ideas. I, I forget who thought of it to, to to bring Melody Perkins in as the um, as the Pink Ranger because we thought she did such a great job and she was a nice, very nice actress to work with. So, um. That, w- that was out of necessity,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and it, it turned out really well, I think. But we wrote it not thinking that Valerie was going to be able to come back because mm-hmm. I, I think that's what, that's what she thought. So mm-hmm. we were kind mm-hmm. of writing her out, and then when she was able to come back, we were so, so happy to be able to write that storyline. And I remember watching the dailies from that scene where she comes back
3: mm-hmm.
2: and we were all like crying in the office because oh, yeah. we liked her so much and, and we, we, we weren't sure that she was going to be able to come back. So just to see that it play out dramatically mm-hmm.
1: just really touched us. Like, wow, yeah. she's
2: stuck. it was, you yeah. know, it was kind of life imitating the, the screen at that point.
1: Right. Yeah. Valerie seems like she's just a lovely person. Very, very sweet. Yeah. Very Mm -hmm. sweet.
2: I love that character.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kendrick's was great, I have to say. Yeah. Kendrick's was wonderful. But that that is actually something I have been kind of wondering. I I didn't because I mean, bringing in a corone. And you know, and Melody, I think was just it was such a great idea and it flowed so well into what had been done before. And I had actually been kind of wondering was like, was there a plan to bring Carone back, just not as a ranger? And then you just kind of combine the two, or you know, was that just something you just made up right there?
2: Um, I don't think there was a plan. Mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. there was a plan, and I misspoke. It was at that time. It uh, it was uh, Chip was the uh, writing producer, mm-hmm. so so that was probably his decision to, mm-hmm. to bring her back.
3: Sure. Um,
2: I don't recall that that was a plan. Like I said, it mm-hmm. was it was more like a necessity, and then it, mm-hmm. it turned out um, to be in in our in everyone's favor because it was a great storyline, and mm-hmm. we were able to get Valerie back.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. It, it, and the fact that you made that bold decision, I couldn't believe it to be honest. I think that had to have been one of the most shocking moments in the entire franchise, the fact that you guys managed to <laughs> convince the network to actually let you kill somebody on the show.
3: Well, I mean,
2: what uh, did you have
1: uh, to do to get them to let you do that? Get away with it?
2: You know, at, at this point we we probably looped in the sensor that, you know, the way that it's done in the episode, if I recall, mm-hmm. was pretty gentle, like her energy dissipated or something like that. It it yeah. was, it was not like we, we were never, ever allowed to say the word kill or die mm-hmm. on the show. So we probably mm-hmm. put it in some gentler terms that the sensor was okay with.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And for little kids, it's, it's hopefully it wasn't that traumatic. It was like she, her energy was, was gone or Mm -hmm. something. And then it came back.
1: Right. Right. But it's still a very impactful moment. And if I might add, I, that two-parter, it was uh, the power of pink. And then you had to the 10th power before that still remains my favorite crossover episode of the franchise
2: yeah yeah Uh, for me that is
1: the gold standard and nothing else has quite gotten there
2: but thank you um yeah the tone was was much more serious on those and and it was much more um serialized Mm -hmm. less less silliness like this the the, the silliness was kind of relegated to the secondary characters at that point and the Mm -hmm. the of themselves were a pretty serious, kind of teen-driven mm-hmm.
1: stories,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, which does kind of lead into one of we. You kind of answered parts of that already, but I've, as all of our listeners are aware, I am a raging astronomer fanboy. So,
0: <laughs> yes, we know. Yes, we know, Nathan.
1: Yeah, I know. But <laughs> I, but I, I had just had to pick your brain. I mean, what went into the creation of that character? Because to this day, the Ranger fandom considers her one of the best villains in the entire franchise. It, some would even rank her as the best.
2: Oh, that's great. Uh, I think we we kind of lucked out with with Melody, and we kind of. Um... Cast against type, but but there is one thing I I remember when I, I I was I thought of a lot of names on the show. Like I was the namer, so <laughs> I would come up with a list of names. I would just brainstorm and come up with a list of names for the characters, the monsters, the the, the megazords. Like I named eighty percent of all those seasons, all the nomenclature. So I remember when I was thinking of her. I kept going back and forth, like should it be astronoma or astromana? astronoma? <laughs> or astronoma, and I went back and forth and back and forth, and sometimes I would still mess it up. So she was almost astronoma, which is weird.
1: But yeah, that doesn't roll off the tongue nearly as well. Yeah, I,
2: I think I went with the right way, but yeah, yeah, um, that just like was one of the weird parts of my job. But I think when we watched the casting tape, we wrote her, maybe the sides as pretty generic, um, evil villain. Mm -hmm. And then Melody Perkins comes in with, with kind of a, kind of a softer reading on it. Mm -hmm. Like just, she had a different approach, not, not like a big yelly, screamy, over the mm-hmm. top thing. She had a more subtle um, approach that we found very refreshing. And I don't think we, we had done to that point. Like we would have a oh. lot of villains like, you know, deep talks and lots mm-hmm. of over the top villains and, and Melody kind of just slid in with a whole different approach. And, and we liked that and we were like, Hey, maybe that will work. You know, maybe mm-hmm. cause she's very, she's very pretty and very kind of petite. Mm-hmm. And uh, she just won the role by by coming in with a a fresh approach to a villain, and mm-hmm. it really worked. We're fortunate. Mm-hmm. I think gonna... that was
1: a very good thing for the show at that time because I know that you know, there was a lot of thought that the franchise was struggling. You know, the ratings weren't there, like the you know the, in Turbo, and. There was a thought that In Space was going to be the last one, and so I feel like I feel like in a lot of ways you, you can you know confirm or you know or, or disprove this. I feel like In Space was made as a response to the you know, to how people felt about Turbo, and going with a less over the top villain like Astronema was part of that.
2: Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's funny because I mean, we thought every season was going to be our last season. Every time, every time we just go in saying, well, we got one more. Uh, (laughs) What should we do? Um, you know, just putting it up in space just opened up the possibilities for everything. And I know there was a, a desire to, um, just do a whole new thing you know we Mm -hmm. had since we did think it was going to be our last season and the sentai was great that year too i think the mega ranger yeah yeah, mega ranger was great i love that megazord it's one Mm -hmm. of my favorite ones
0: it's very Um, understated and i love it Mm -hmm.
2: it is i think it's beautiful the design's beautiful i love the costumes that they come up with that Mm -hmm. year um and it just lent itself to, you know, leaving Angel Grove and just aging it up a little bit.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: What that yeah. time. In-, In
1: Space is one of my favorite seasons. And yeah. I just love everything that went into that. The characters are great. Uh, I, as I said, I'm a I'm an astronomer fanboy. I, loved, I love Ecliptor. Ecliptor is such a great villain character you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for villains that have codes of honor me too it Gives them a <laughs> lot more nuance and, you know, and then you had that wonderful foil and darkonda who for what i understand a lot of people say that darkonda is actually better than his sentai counterparts so <laughs> <laughs> you did something right there you did well, a lot I'll, of things yeah, right know you know we got it a just
3: long
2: really long. felt like yeah. i'm sorry i cut you I was just gonna say a lot of the Ecliptor was was in the Sentai, so mm-hmm. I can't take uh, credit for too much of that, but
1: oh well, yeah. I understand. I understand. Although uh, I mean Astronomer was a brand new character. Yeah. You, know, you were it wasn't like Rita who was from the Sentai.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Our Rita was oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've seen you,
1: Ranger.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I will yeah. I, I I do have one I do have one just small behind the scenes question. Is it true that of uh, that Dark Specter was actually intended to be human or humanoid, I should say, or was he always intended to be the the Malagor clone?
2: I don't recall any discussion of him being human because that means casting another person. Sure. Um and there was so much going on already. Yeah. Like it, unless unless we really wanted to depart from the Sentai and we had extra money, then sure. we kind of just just kind of kept
0: it along the lines of the Sentai. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One one really fascinating thing, and this is kind of piggybacks off piggyback off of what Nathan was talking about. Um one one reason why we really enjoyed that Saban era of Power Rangers specifically is because it felt like it, um, it grew up with its audience. So you Mm -hmm. look of you look how it started with, with Mighty Morphin, where it's a little silly, it's campy, it's very childish. And then you get to time range or, um, time Time force, you get to time force and it's extremely grown up. Oh my gosh. It's very grown up. And so that's one of the reasons why we, we adore the, the, the work on the Saban era of power rangers is because it, it really felt like it grew up with its audience.
2: Yeah. And part of that is it reflects the sensibility of
0: <clears throat> whoever's
2: producing it. The story, the um, executive producers who, you know, chip has a different sensibility than Doug and Anne. Um, so whoever is crafting, who's in charge of crafting the stories it's going to bring their sensibility in. And yeah. I think once we did start aging it up, it was, it was pretty, and we had a big, bigger budget back then, you know, yeah. I can't believe we ever built that, that light speed, um, tank, that, that underwater, <laughs> the, you know, all that.
1: With, oh, the base. Yeah. The yes. base
2: with the Hummer that went underwater. It's like, I can't even imagine building that now, but at the time, mm-hmm. um, You know, Haim was just giving us whatever budget that we wanted. We'd go shoot downtown LA, which permitting is like so expensive, but we got great production value in in those Mm -hmm. seasons because we had the money. Um, And I think that's part of the reason why they they show so well is we had a bigger budget.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you can tell that the Saban era, even, even though um, we just assume that when you get to Lightspeed Rescue, the budget started to drop a little bit. So what you're telling us is that you actually, you guys had a pretty decently sized budget to be able to film in downtown LA and, and do all the things that you were able to do. Um, uh, So we just, uh, Nathan and I just assumed that the budget started to wane after in space, that they were just, kind of keeping the franchise alive
2: no if you, if you notice in lightspeed rescue um their production value is pretty high like that mm-hmm. set cost a lot of money and we had a lot of locations shoots and
3: right. you know
2: there was fire like the elements that are always expensive production wise so mm-hmm. that was a pretty production heavy um high budget season i think when when I started thinking of selling the show, um, I wasn't there for Wild Force, but but that's when the the budget began to shrink again because mm. you know, the decision to move the show to New Zealand definitely was mm-hmm. a budgetary decision. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And actually, to be honest, in retrospect, thinking back on it, yeah, there was a, a lot of ambitious stuff done, actually, in all of the post-to in space. Yeah, seasons yeah, yeah lost galaxy there were, that's a lot of original model work there lost you know galaxy with, with galaxy. terra venture and
3: yeah those uh, models and,
1: uh, are you, expensive. and you built whole sets for the year 3000 uh portions of time force which you know michael and i are huge fans of time force as another one of our favorite seasons
2: yes i do love time force i love the, that time force time force is, time for is you, great with the clock tower, that was,
1: mm-hmm.
2: was my idea. Put them in the clock tower. And then when I saw the set, I was just really... I think it's one of the most beautiful sets that's ever been created for the show.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you you outdid yourself with, uh, with Time Force. But uh, that actually dovetails into another one of our questions. You've answered it a little bit, but what were some of the other big differences between the Saban era and the Disney era because those were the two that you worked on.
2: Gosh, you know, all those factors that we talked about before, who whoever was the executive like when Doug came back on for Ninja Storm and <clears throat> he brought his his and Anne's sensibility, which was um I think great. I love those seasons. It's like you have to do more with less money. Mm -hmm. and you know we were casting a lot of australian and kiwi actors so Mm -hmm. the the acting pool is a little bit different but i i think we had fantastic casts for there so it just became the decision to move the show was because it was less money to produce so i think Mm -hmm. the, the fact that Uh, Doug and Anne came back. Um, Those are the big differences. Like Disney was more hands-on as far as creative things go. Like everything had to be run by them and they had a lot of notes and they had a lot of Mm. say about it. Where as Saban, there was just more, much more free reign of
0: Mm -hmm. storytelling and money and everything was a little bit easier. Mm. Is it fair to say, Jackie, that maybe at first, at first at least, Disney didn't quite know exactly what to do with Power Rangers or exactly what they had with the franchise?
2: At first? What, what are you talking about at first? I never knew what
3: to do. <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah, to
1: be honest, that was the impression that we were getting, you know, just from our research and then talking about it on the show. where just... I was like, Disney wanted to end Power Rangers at least several times. It's like, then why did they even buy it? What were they going to do with it? You know, I
3: always think
2: with Disney, it's like they were just buying everything that kids like. Like they bought The yeah. Simpsons, they bought Marvel, they bought the Muppets, like whatever kids like, they were just gobbling up these franchises,
3: mm-hmm. like, trying
2: to Disneyfy them. And Power Rangers, you know, I think we made some wonderful seasons under them and uh oh yes my best some of my best memories are from that so i can't but it was you know it was always a little bit of a tough fit yeah mm-hmm. uh, with them yeah,
1: I, I will tell you that uh for michael and i we've been spent we spent the entire year this year going through the franchise and talking about it on the podcast. And the I would say in the Disney era, the one that was the most surprising for us was SPD. We, oh, yeah. were,
3: mm-hmm.
1: we were just shocked at how you took a lot of things that we honestly felt like in lesser hands. These would have been silly. I mean, the commander of this team <laughs> is an alien dog man. And you made him... Arguably the best character in the show.
2: <laughs> well, we credit must be given to John Tui, who was at the at the con yesterday, and who brought such gravitas to the role. And oh yeah, always. To, I forget what he said yesterday too. It's um, what influence that he was using for Doggy Kruger. Gosh, I'll think of George it. George Clooney,
1: because he sounds like George Clooney when he no, does that voice.
2: Somebody <laughs> else like George Patton or somebody. Like Ooh, okay.
1: Uh, that makes so, sense.
2: So. <laughs> So very, very commanding Mm -hmm. and he's just a great voice actor. Mm -hmm. So when we were listening to auditioning tapes for Doggy Kruger, I mean, he definitely rose to the top very quickly um, because he, he had so much authority. Mm -hmm. And and then Greg Aronowitz created the, the dog head (laughs) with that (laughs) a little bit more, um, a lot more realistic than the Sentai, you know, was
1: like hurry.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> so, yeah. I watched the, Greg, I watched a bit of Decker Ranger and I'm just like, this suit is not working for me.
2: <laughs> I think that was one of the decisions early made early on by um, Bruce and Greg was, to, you know, that we would craft our
0: own Doggy Kruger mm-hmm. suit
3: mm-hmm. and that gave
0: it a little bit more, you know, I thought he was really cool. Yeah. yeah, this is kind of a, a silly question, Jackie. But why go with doggy and not Anubis? <laughs> it
2: was called Anubis? Um, that was like his real name, right? It was Anubis?
0: Yeah,
1: it was, it's in there. It's an just Anubi- a doggy got brought up a lot. There. Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, I don't know. You know, when you when you put it that way, I think probably we should have went with Anubis, but mm-hmm. it just you know. That was his nickname.
3: Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I mean, it it, makes sense because you had cat. Yeah. So.
2: But I think, I don't know if the Rangers called him Doggy like that much. No, they
1: just called him Kruger, I think. They called him Kruger,
2: Commander Kruger. I think Doggy was, (laughs) this feels like the stupidest thing uh, that I've said in a long time, which is saying something. But I, I think Doggy was his character name. I don't think it was used that much on the show, if I'm correct.
0: Uh, it was used by, it was, it was a lot of, a lot of times it was used very, in a very condescending manner by Emperor Grum. It's like, mm-hmm. right? I will get you Grum. I will get you doggy. You know, it's <laughs> that kind of oh, stuff.
2: Right. Well, they were friends. That was his yeah. nickname from college or something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Isidia calls him behind closed doors. I'm oh.
2: you know? like, <laughs> oh, that was a trivia question I got years ago at, at Morphicon what was the, um what was the wife's name and of course i didn't know it cuz i probably thought of it but i, I didn't know it
1: right uh, that's
0: a good name i see yeah
1: name. it is a good it is. name and it, it goes well with the egyptian motif cuz anubis and isis mm-hmm. the-
0: yeah but but like but like nathan was saying there's a lot of things in spd that should not work but do on this show, we like to give oh, just fun awards. Just they don't really they don't mean anything. It's just we like to give awards to our to the seasons. And one of my awards was I was the I I I can't believe that happened award award. And uh, my award was I cannot believe how well this season turned out because mm-hmm. on paper. It really shouldn't. It, it really shouldn't work, but it does. And what I really enjoyed about SPD and what and the work that you and your team was able to do on that show was you kind of flipped the formula a little bit, and you made it. We kind of equated it to a kind of a, a cop procedural where mm-hmm. the episode would start with a Zord fight or it would start with a monster fight and a Zord fight. And sometimes it wouldn't, you know, it's, it's, it kept you on your toes all the mm-hmm. time. and That's what we really enjoyed about SPD.
2: Well, I think that's, you know, like, like I, I've been saying, when you bring in, we brought in Bruce and Greg and they just come in with a different idea of, you know, they just kind of break the mold. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're able to, to, you're able to just have a, a fresh approach. And yeah. I think SPD
1: definitely had that. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, um, it, It's we rank it as one of our favorites. So Jackie, we've been talking a lot about some of the things that you got to do, some of the things that you suggested but didn't quite go through and stuff like that. So we were wondering, if there, what's one thing that if you could go back and change in your work on Rangers, what would it be?
2: Well, I would have to say that one of the biggest challenges was the directive to use as much footage as possible w- was always somewhat restricting because you, yeah. you only had like 22 min- minutes to shoot. So it was hard to craft a, a meaningful story with the Megazord fight and uh, and we would shoot our own second unit fights. So okay. um, it was a little bit of finding that balance. And a lot of times I lost that battle. Like, you know, mm-hmm. whole scenes would, would be cut for time that were more character driven. It's just mm-hmm. the luxury that you don't have when you're writing from a blank page. We, we were, the amount of footage went into the budget. So there mm-hmm. was a, There was an exact, I won't say who or which, which season. And their idea was just, just dub the Sentai. We don't have to shoot anything, just dub the Sentai. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where they just didn't want to spend any money on the show Mm -hmm. besides voice actors. So Mm -hmm. um, that was always the thing I wish I could change was to not have that directive to use as much footage as, as Mm -hmm. did. Um, and Mm -hmm. and I think the Sentai shows are magnificent and wonderful, but it Mm -hmm. is hard to put a show into another show. That's the whole challenge. Mm
1: -hmm. Power range. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing that, that, something that Michael and I have observed in our, you know, year going over all of this stuff is what Saban did back in the early 90s was something that you know it, he wasn't the first guy to try something like that you know you look in the 80s with something like Voltron which was mm-hmm. an anime that had been completely recontextualized edited whatever to make it more acceptable to an American audience we feel like there must have come a point with Power Rangers where because you know, we're seeing this now the sensibilities are shifting where people would much rather just have the sentai subtitle as opposed to recontextualized as power rangers so we're just like it there must have come a point where it was just continuing like that because it was just tradition and it's still being done now nearly 30 years later
2: well power rangers became its own thing you know Mm -hmm. it became its own hybrid um and i think people didn't have access to the sentai right back then and that's that's a, just a different creature it's a different animal than a power ranger show is is different than a, a super sentai
0: show it's completely so different sensibilities you know it's a kids. different
2: sensibility. there's yeah. different storytelling no matter how much we may borrow it's it's always going to be a little bit different um and the success of the original power rangers was high in seeing that it could be adapted for a little bit of money and um american audiences would love it um mm-hmm. they just kept doing that formula because it was very successful
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. although i will say that dino thunder episode where you guys did just <laughs> dub the Sentai. <laughs> was one of the best episodes of the show. I just want to throw that out there (laughs) because you did it in a very meaningful way.
2: That's one where it's like when we got our budget and we looked at our big board, our big whiteboard of how are we going, you know, you have to steal from Peter to pay Paul. And we knew there would be like two or three episodes that would be like zero budget. So you do like a bottle show or a stuck in an elevator show or a clip show. And then we had done that so many years. It was like, how can we find a new way to shoot an episode for almost no money? So we have more money to shoot downtown. So that was, I. Yeah, you know, I don't know who's. I can't remember whose idea that was, but that was the idea. Like, what if we just double Sentai <laughs> one time? <laughs> and, and we, we liked it. Was, it was
0: fun. Yeah, it was yeah. a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun because it was. Um, and one interesting thing about that episode that I like to latch on to, because I was one of those fan. I was one of those Ranger only fans where I uh, or those Power Ranger only. Like I would only watch Power Rangers. Um, and. I didn't necessarily care for the Sentai. I've only been able to get into, I've only been able to watch and really enjoy the Sentai in the last few years. And the, uh, the self-awareness in that episode of uh, like, I don't like this or like, I don't like this, but like you just don't like it because it's different. You know, it's just that, it's that sensibility. I'm probably not explaining it well, but it's that sensibility that a lot of fans will have. It's like, oh, I don't like this because it's different than what I know right. as the
1: current thing.
2: That was on Dino just, Thunder, right? Well, I'm sorry. It was Dino Thunder that we did. Dino, Thunder, Dino yes. Thunder, yes, yeah.
1: correct. Mm-hmm.
2: I feel like it might have been yeah. Doug's idea. Yeah.
1: Uh, it was uh, the center was Abba Ranger.
2: Yeah, yeah, Abba Ranger, and we used one with a baseball player. Was yes, it? yes. I forget who yes, wrote it. Um, it, it. It sounds like Doug's crazy idea because that sounds like something he would come up with.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was a wild episode. It was. It was a lot of fun. You remembered it,
2: so it's a good one.
1: Oh, it, it got. I think it got awards when we did the Dino Thunder episode. It did. Yes, it, oh. it, it did. Yeah, or it got one of our funny little awards that we like to do on the show.
2: Was it Boomer? Who was a baseball player, Boomer?
1: I think it was Boomer. I think it was Boomer. <laughs> yeah, You're we're born. pretty sure.
2: Yeah, that was that was a fun one. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. But we are curious. Here, we're talking about things that you would change. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to put this delicately because I don't want to insult the guest unintentionally. But Operation Overdrive, <laughs> it has a reputation. <laughs> unfortunately,
2: yeah, I, I don't think you know, you guys. I will defend that show. I oh I- really? <laughs> okay. I think it's got moments and I think it, it is one where Disney was, it's easy for me to blame Disney, but I have to take my own creative um, responsibility for the show. Um, this one where Disney was very, very hands-on and we didn't get the budget to do what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I thought the concept was strong, really love the cast. Um, I thought, I thought it had its moments. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's easy to pile on and and say that season sucked and we hated it, but, uh, Mm -hmm. I thought, uh, I, I liked that season. I liked working on it. It Mm. I, I, some of the storylines I didn't love. Mm Um, um, and it wasn't as strong as some of the surrounding seasons, but you know, w- when you do that amount of seasons, some are going to be better th- than others. All right.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure.
1: Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, the, I will say this, I, the cast definitely was, I got the impression they were working really hard. They're so to great. I make saw it work. It.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Rhoda and Caitlin yesterday, and they're two of the most lovely people you would want to meet. And, and they were both talking to me about their characters and how playing those characters changed their changed them like personally.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I thought that was that was really great. It was just a, a great kind of um, thing to hear from them that they they liked playing
0: those characters and they, mm-hmm. they really got into it. So And we really loved we Nate and I we said uh, on, in that discussion, we really like the concept here. You know, it's Indiana Jones with Power Rangers. Yeah. Um, We we really
2: love that. We couldn't, we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't, we couldn't get any locations. You know,
3: we,
2: we, we pitched, I remember pitching it to Disney and them just loving it. Mm -hmm. Them love, love, loving it. And then um, they gave us very little money and and it Mm -hmm. became one of those seasons that just, was a struggle because we mm-hmm. execute
0: the concept that we pitched. It mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of, uh, cause I've been, I've been rewatching the office for like the 12th time. Um, and it kind of reminds me of when Michael Scott gives, says to Angela's, I want you to throw the biggest party and make it awesome, but you only have $80 to work with. <laughs> like, okay. You guys yeah.
2: know who, the Um, the, the adage about production being a a three-legged stool Mm
3: -hmm. one
2: you've got or a pyramid one is time one is money and one is quality and you have to pick two you don't get three so you can do it fast you can do it cheap or you can do it good you can pick two and a power range is like you pick one so
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: I'm suddenly funny. having suddenly having flashbacks to one of our favorite scenes with RJ in Jungle Fury when he did the stool analogy yeah
2: I think that's probably where I got that I used that analogy it's like <laughs> a one-legged stool yeah <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: yeah I feel like it, maybe RJ needed to talk to those executives and just be all like so about yeah. Operation Overdrive. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, you
2: know, it it is what it is. I, I think it had its moments. The story got a little loopy, but um,
1: yeah, yeah, I
2: really did like yeah. the cast. I think the story with Mac got off track. Um, yeah, that that, <laughs> a that was a, a little yeah.
1: bit of not
2: my um, input, but
1: yeah, it, it, I mean. It, it, when we were watching it, there were a couple of episodes that were like, "You know what? This actually came out pretty well, and we we liked the the premiere, and we thought it had a lot of promise. and you know,
2: we, huh? I like the beginning,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, we uh, we thought the premiere had a lot of promise, and we're like, "Yeah, maybe this won't be as bad as people say it is." And then you know, it was a it was a little downhill from that. We did also like the first two episodes with Tyson. Yes. he was the monster of the week we were really impressed with those actually
2: yeah yes. that was it i think there was some redeemable storylines in there it just it just didn't gel it just didn't mm-hmm. gel And with yeah that that was when disney was really trying to
0: kind of just ditch out on on the show mm. so yeah you know i'm like you uh jackie i, I think that and I've, I've told this to Nathan, this is no secret, but I try to find redeemable qualities in every season that we that we cover uh, because, you know, this franchise has lasted for so long. Of course, there's mm-hmm. got to be something to love about it or, to, or at least like about it. And I think that the rapport that the cast had in Operation Overdrive is one of its highlights because mm-hmm. there is a clear rapport that all of those actors and actresses
1: have with one another. Mm-hmm. And we like Spencer.
2: I love Spencer. He loves lemonade, and uh, (laughs) Mark loves sleds. So it's like you got a couple things going for you there.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we like the idea of the competing villain factions, which I know was in the Sentai, but Mm -hmm. it's still such a great idea.
2: I think that that season was overpopulated with villains, and the villains didn't have a strong enough arc, and Mm -hmm. trying to shoehorn. Like the Sentai didn't have anything to do with um, the theme that we had of, of Indiana Jones. So it was Mm -hmm. like more Operation Overdrive. Like, what is it? What is the Operation Overdrive? (laughs) It's never really crystallized as, as well. You know, if we could have a do over with the same cast, I would definitely make some changes, but I I do stand by it as a season that had some value.
1: now that I think about it, if there was one Ranger season that I could get behind remaking, it might be that one. Yeah, throw
2: some money at it and cast the same people and, and just kind of rethink some of the some of the main storylines, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Rethink those. Cause, yeah, because I think it I do think Operation Overdrive wanted to be better than it was. Well, yeah.
2: I mean, we want every season to be as good as it can be, mm-hmm. and you know, all of there's a lot of things coming at you. There's just these mm-hmm. things that you have to write and produce, and conflicting ideas, and
1: right.
3: You
2: know, like I said, some some years it's just going to gel a little better,
3: but mm-hmm, I right. do
2: love uh, some of those episodes, and I, I I do love that cast a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know what? I am very proud that you're you know, you're one of those people who would be like, you know what? I worked on this and I'm going to defend it. You know what? I admire that. I want to say that right up front. I had very strong opinions about operation overdrive, but hearing how, you know, quick you are to defend it. Hey, I think that says a lot.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, I will also admit that some seasons are stronger than others, but they all have value. And you know what? That's somebody's favorite season. That's, Mm -hmm. I don't know who, but it's somebody's. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's all. and they learned some lessons, and they had some laughs, and they got scared, and you know. Yeah,
1: stuff. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a running joke on our podcast how much more willing to uh, Michael is to defend Turbo than I am.
2: <laughs> People love Turbo too. It's like yeah. you know yeah. we all have different reasons why we respond to things. I, I did mm-hmm. love Spencer, and I loved I loved yeah. Kelson as Norg, and.
1: Oh, Kelson Henderson is. is a treasure in this to this franchise that man has played so many characters in this franchise and sometimes when i found it's like wait he was all of them
2: hot dang great (laughs) actor great comic actor great great he's a good friend of mine um and he is so valuable to the show so like i I cannot say enough about him
1: Oh yeah. yeah. It's just the, like I said, the sheer just variety that he's done, you know, from boom to Norg to, uh, flit the fly and then Mick in Ninja steel. So, I mean, he's, yeah, he's done you, a lot. Could,
2: you could give him anything and he would, he would shine in it. You could put him in the, we were talking yesterday about, um, Phineas.
1: And oh yeah. That's the most surprising one. I didn't realize that was him
2: that's him but you know we just came up with a concept for a a troblin you know a troll and a mm-hmm. goblin which was very vague and kelson brought it to life and created that character out of his own comic talents and i thought made it so funny and i just loved i loved phineas so mm-hmm. um, you know all, all credit goes goes to that
0: man yeah oh oh for sure I know that I know, Nate, you are chomping at the bit to ask the thematic question, but before we, before we move <laughs> in there, I, I have to ask uh, Jackie this one question, um, for all the talk of Power Rangers being quote, a campy kid show, just, it's a silly, a silly, silly kid show. Um, when people ask that question, or I don't know if you've ever been asked that question. I, I know we have as fans, like, why do you like Power Rangers? Um, Can you kind of give a 30-second elevator pitch as to why someone who's never experienced this franchise would actually love it?
2: Well, I always say about Power Rangers, it's uh, Superheroes 101. So mm-hmm. back when we were doing, you know, when, when MMPR came on, there weren't sure. a lot of superhero things going on. Sure. So there wasn't Marvel Universe, DC Universe. There were in the comic books and stuff, and there were in some movies, but not to the extent that it is now such a giant part right. of pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of that, and I see it. When I, I go see all these superhero movies, I see them all, and I see Power yeah. Rangers' influence in there, and I call them sure. Power Rangers with money. And I know a lot of these... <laughs> A lot of these creators of these shows watch the show, and it informed them, like the Brady Bunch informed me. It's right. like they absorb it, and then they get a giant budget. What did I watch? I watched um, um, The Harley Quinn. Birds of prey. Yeah, um, I think it was Birds of Prey, and they had a giant starfish monster, and they got oh, out, oh no, uh, that
1: was The Suicide Squad. The
2: Suicide Squad. That's what I'm thinking of. And I was sat in the theater and I was like, are you freaky kidding me with this giant starfish monster? Like, I know that writer watched Power Rangers. There's no way that they (laughs) were influenced by that. I see influence everywhere in every superhero thing I watch. I can identify some. So even though it it wasn't cool, kids still watched it and they absorbed it and they take that with them. I just see it everywhere. So... The, the influence is there whether people want to admit it or not. So I, I'm kind of proud of that.
1: Yeah. Oh, you should be. I really, I think you should. I, I mean, we've talked before on this podcast about how there's a lot of kid shows from, you know, that were contemporaries with Power Rangers and they have faded into the nostalgic ether, yep. but Power Rangers is still around. There there have been points where Power Rangers was going to end. And it didn't. And I I was just like, there's something about it. There is something about it that keeps it going.
2: Yeah, and just being at the Morphicon yesterday kind of just reinforces that. It's just like all ages of people. And, you know, like I said, everybody's got their favorite season. You see all the really crazy cosplay stuff. And it has a giant influence on pop culture and especially on superhero culture. Mm Mm-hmm. It's there. I mean, of course you can, you can age everything up and, and make everything dark, but you know, there's something to be said about uh, a, a show that just does the best that it can with, with the limitations that we have and, and people
0: remember it and, and a lot of them love it. So. Mm-hmm. there's a there i know I don't know how many people would say power Rangers is art, but there is an art to what mm-hmm. what what the franchise has been able to do up to this point
2: dude I want to tell you i I was at the palm Springs art museum uh, my mm-hmm. friend is um he's he works there and I went to see an exhibition and it was really lovely kind of sculptural exhibition and the writer said that he was influenced by sci-fi and he loved Power Rangers. Like, this is a grown-up adult artist. Yeah. And then I looked at his art and I'm like, yeah, that's Serpentera right there, even though it's... Like, oh.
0: Well, the question becomes, artist. Mark 1 or Mark 2? Oh, no. That, I don't know, but
3: I know what I
2: saw. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I see your influence and I do see it yeah. everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. so,
1: yeah, I said on the show and maybe it's one of the crazier things that I've said on the show, but I said, yeah, power Rangers is cheesy. It's campy, but it still needs good writing in order to survive for as long as it has. And, and maybe that good writing is, you know, it's under several layers of cheese, like getting an extra cheese pizza, but it's there or else it wouldn't still be around. You know, there's there's some fundamental things that this show understood, that this franchise understood, even at its goofiest. And that's what's kept it in the zeitgeist.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, th- there is a a benefit to to switching out the theme and the cast and the sets. Uh just about every year is that you do get a fresh palette to start and one season can be silly and one season mm-hmm. can be serious and one season can yep. be dinosaurs and one season can be spaceships you know it just mm-hmm. gives you the whole broad what what writer wouldn't like that much of a canvas to paint on
1: mm-hmm. uh, yeah for sure
2: it's the only show that does that it's the only show that does it
1: mm-hmm. right so uh, michael do we wanna want try our hand at seeing if we you know figured out the <laughs> themes of each season you know, she you know brought what it up she, a little bit
0: yeah <laughs> sure let's 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 see yeah. if, let's see if we're right Go
1: uh, for it. let's start let's start with jackie's first season on the show, which was m n p r season three We'll see if we got it <laughs> oh my god uh, this <laughs> seems like a quiz MNPR, <laughs> three, we're not quizzing three? you it's more like. tell us if we're crazy (laughs) yeah tell me your theme yeah okay so for mighty morphin season three because we always try to come up with what we think is kind of the thematic through line for each season because one of the trademarks of our show is we do these deep dive discussions i you check it off the bingo board everyone you know i uh i'm a i was an english major i have a master's in english so i bring that with me when i do all of this because doing literary analysis was my bread and butter when i um, was in grad school so for mighty morphin season three we uh we uh, we thought that the main theme was family
2: okay um because tell
1: me why uh, because that's when the rito shows up and there's more uh, kind of like sitcom a family dynamics for the villains we also started seeing more of the rangers families like this is when kim leaves and we learn about more about her parents being divorced and then she has to move away and things like that
2: okay yeah i'll buy that uh, i would say friendship is another strong theme in mm-hmm. that it's a theme mm-hmm. in every show but mm-hmm. in those early seasons definitely their
1: friendship mm-hmm. yes yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, friend, uh, friends are kind of found family. And, you know, that's a that's a yeah. term that gets floated around a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then it's- for uh, for Zio, we had it as displacement because everything is changing. You know, the command center gets blown up, and the you know R- Zed and Rita get kicked out by the machine empire and things like that. And everyone's constantly adjusting because they're getting pushed out in one form or another. Billy can't be a ranger anymore. Uh Trey can't be the Gold Ranger anymore. And then eventually you know, Jason can't be the Gold Ranger anymore. <laughs> you know, it's just the, right. this constant put and uh Goldar and Rito end up hanging out with Bulk and Skull.
2: <laughs> you know? Oh uh, it's a little bit crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good theme. I think that's that feels about right. It was when we had to kinda clip the wings and, and and see if the show could fly mm-hmm. on uh, departing from the MMPR suits. And we weren't mm-hmm. sure. I I know that Anne always thought, you know, it could be more of an evergreen property. There was always a discussion like, we just can't use these zords and suits forever, even though it's kind of risky because that's what kids identify as the power rangers. And th- that's what they yeah. love. You know, they want, mm-hmm. They want Jason and Tommy and Kim, and so um, it was a little risky. So I say I would say displacement is a mm-hmm. really good. Good word. Yeah, I mean, actually could we little... talked
1: about that too. Yeah, because the audience was displaced a little bit.
2: Yeah, the audience was displaced as well, and we didn't know if we were going to sink or or swim in that season. We were changing the Zords and mm-hmm. the suits.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Turbo, admittedly, our theme for Turbo was more metatextual than anything else because we had a little bit of a hard time with turbo latching onto something because of how just nutty a season it is but we went with identity crisis because we felt like power (laughs) rangers was trying to figure itself out
2: yeah i would say that's that's probably spot on too i mean that's when we used the chimpanzees. Mm-hmm. No. I'll try and, like, block that out of my
1: memory. <laughs> <laughs> That's something
2: I that would change. Don't use chimpanzees on the show. Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. And then for in space, we had it as finding your identity. Or to use the old cliche, finding yourself. Because everybody is Doing that in space, it's astronomers the most obvious example. But even the Rangers, they're without a mentor at this point. No Zordon, they're on their own. You know, yeah. they're basically they're adults now. It
2: <laughs> was a big leap. That yeah. was a big leap, and it's one of those things that when you start talking about it, like how are you going to send these kids up into space? And we're like, well, we just do it. We just do it. It's like a contained world where. They are old enough to go on a spaceship. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. So, did we get that one?
2: (laughs) I would say, like, if I'm thinking about the storyline, definitely with Andres and Astron, astron Mm -hmm. I Still can't say it. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) That uh, finding your identity is definitely is definitely a strong theme.
1: Yeah. -hmm. And then for Lost Galaxy, we had it as a lot of times what we do is like we might like, well, maybe it's this theme. And so if we come up with a couple different ones, we're like, is there a broader umbrella we can put it under? And we can talk about a bunch of different ideas within that. So for Lost Galaxy, we had it as new beginnings because the whole premise of the show is very frontiersman. We're going to go explore the galaxy and we're going to colonize a new planet and start something new. And all of the characters who are on Terra Venture are doing something new. They, you know, this is a new life that they are going out on. So it's, it's kind of scary, but it's also really exciting I, The with the villains. Trakina, you know, has a new beginning because suddenly her dad is dead and she inherits the empire, even though she didn't necessarily want it. <laughs> She was pretty scary. You
3: know? I thought
2: she
1: was a great villain. Oh, she, she was great. I think Trakina is a very underappreciated villain.
2: Yeah, I, I thought she was is pretty um, strong. And Amy Roll was like very good it, in, in, great in the role. And it was one of those villains that were just like, let's just go scary with her. It's mm-hmm. not and play. So
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, as much as... Uh, we love Countdown to Destruction within space. Journey's End in Lost Galaxy is an incredible finale.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I I like Lost Galaxy. I know in space kind of overshadows it a little bit, but I think Lost Galaxy is, is really wonderful as well. And we took the Ginga Man and we made a, a space season, which was, mm-hmm. you know, that was adventurous. That Mm -hmm.
0: was yeah, yeah. I've seen Ginga Man. It's it's very in because Ginga Man is very environmental, uh, environmentalist based, and Lost Galaxy was very space like new adventure based, uh, um, Mm -hmm. and it's incredible work. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, that was a season that shouldn't have worked, but it did.
1: And then uh, Lightspeed Rescue was a little bit more straightforward. It's service and duty because that's what these rangers Mm -hmm. are doing. They are public servants.
2: Yeah, I think that is that is definitely the theme, and that was a new theme for us. Just like being self-sacrificing and 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 duty to, you know, to serve. So, mm-hmm. yeah, straightforward. But I, I still really love that season too. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And then for Time Force, we can we you know we were like, there's a couple of things we can talk about with Time Force. There's so much. So again, we had to come up with kind of a, a an a, an umbrella. The theme for it, and part of it was was a basically what it boiled down to was choosing your own destiny, or if you wanted to break it down even more, it's choice
0: because there's all the
1: time travel stuff, and then when you're talking about things like prejudice, prejudice is something that you choose to do.
2: Yeah, definitely, that was one of my favorite storylines was the 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 Frax story. I loved, I loved writing those. But yeah, I, the overriding theme was definitely destiny, choosing your destiny. Mm-hmm. That, was, mm-hmm. yeah. that was one that we um, knowingly uh, was a knowing motif throughout.
1: Mm-hmm. And by the way, speaking of finales, I feel like the finale for Time Force is one of the most subversive in the entire franchise because it doesn't end with a big fight it ends with the bad guy realizing that he's gone too far and he just surrenders. I, love I was that. not expecting that.
2: Yeah. yeah, I love that. And Vernon, Vernon did it so well. And like he, he was a very
1: straightforward villain.
2: You know, mm-hmm. he didn't have a, a lot of layers, uh, but we, we found his vulnerability. Um, and that was his, you know. That was his re- redemption story. The the one thing that he loves. So, I, lo- I I really do like that ending. I, I would have kept Ross and Jen together, but
1: mm. oh, they are so great,
2: <laughs> so great.
1: They're oh, so... they're so great together. I, I remember I heard an interview. That you did one other time i can't remember where it was but you said that you were actually advocating for getting more romance into power rangers and the you kept getting pushback because it's like the boys won't like that well my counter argument was like no it's not the boys won't like it we just don't want it to be the main thing we still want it to be about the robots and the monsters and the explosions but we we don't mind you know pretty (laughs) girls you know kissing pretty boys you know
2: (laughs) Yeah, we we always got network notes that that we they didn't really want that in the show. It was never going to be that big of. a, It was always going to be more about monsters and robots. But um, I think we managed to to craft a relationship in that one that was really special and felt real. And the actors had um, chemistry, and the actors mm-hmm. were amazing. So
3: mm-hmm.
2: probably the closest that we got to like a little bit of a teen drama.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know that the uh, time force came perilously close to being a primetime show. And part of me kind of wishes it had been,
2: <laughs> I think it could have been, you know, if it you look at, look at um, a lot of the CW shows or a lot of the you know, Riverdale or I don't even know what they are. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not that, it's not that far off to tell you the truth. Green mm-hmm. I don't even know what they are, but I know there's a lot of teen superhero shows, and we did it first.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did. So, oh, well, Ninja Storm. Michael, I'm looking at our list, and I'm pretty sure we had a different idea for Ninja Storm than what I see here. I know this was something that we talked about before what which one we had heritage didn't we here is it did we stick with heritage i was wondering if we we stuck
0: with we stuck with heritage okay we stuck with heritage
1: okay so ninja storm was heritage because the mentor is uh, the father of one of the rangers and it's all about remembering traditions that are being passed down to you
2: yeah i like that that's definitely a strong theme i would also say with that one it it also speaks to me of like responsibility Mm,
0: mm -hmm. Um, because
2: you know they all had um their sports that they loved so just finding that balance of of growing up and and taking on the responsibility of of being a power ranger when they had Mm. things that i think we hit that motif a few times of Mm -hmm. of, you know quit messing around and get your head in the game Mm
1: -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. And then for Dino Thunder, it was legacy because it's very much a legacy season. That was you know, uh, the Rangers, and that find out in the anniversary clip show that they're not the first Rangers, and that there's a lot of Rangers who have come before them, and they're the latest in that. And then obviously one of their team members and their mentors being Tommy Oliver, he's a you know he's a legacy character, so he's kind of passing that along to them as well. And then obviously the storyline with Trent and Mezogog, which again, we absolutely adored that. Mezogog was another one of our favorite villains on He's the podcast. great. He yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. So there's that as well going on.
2: Yeah, I would say definitely that was... um that was a like the theme was legacy and and you know with dinosaurs and Tommy coming mm-hmm. back it was just a a, um, a, a grown up version of MMPR you know you, mm-hmm. you, you yep. we we all developed into better writers and we um, were allowed to just to hit deeper themes mm-hmm. and. Um, so I think it was, yeah, like MNPR point two
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's very much a spiritual successor. Very much. Yeah. So. And then for SPD, we had it as leadership because yep. you <laughs> you had the red ranger, Jack, who had to learn to be a leader. And then you had sky who had to kind of, had to learn to lead from, you know, from second in command. Basically he had a lot to learn. And, you know, so there's a lot of talk about what goes into making a good leader throughout that whole season.
2: Definitely. That was just the, probably the strongest motif. Leadership mm-hmm. was big, big, big
1: through line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we come to Mystic Force. And given how much you love Mystic Force, I'm curious to see what you think of, of, of what we picked out okay. <laughs> for that. Honor.
2: Honor. Okay, tell me, tell me your your reasoning.
1: Well, obviously, I was like, oh, dang it, why is his name escaping me? Uh, Nick. Lingo? No, not Nick. Uh, oh. uh, the the Purple Knight. Corag. Korag, oh. Yeah, Korag is always talking about it. <laughs> First off, <laughs> my honor that you know it's it's like cell it's like Zeltrax in Dino Thunder with R- yeah. I mean, you take a shot every time they bring it up, you know. <laughs> But we, when we dug into it, we started realizing that you you have these characters who these rangers that are adhering to, you know, they're superheroes, so they have to live by a code of honor in one form or another, and that's imbued to them. And honor is something that you know you have to learn to do it. And you also have to earn it as well. If you want the honor of others, you have to conduct yourself in such a way to do that. And again, I'm a sucker for villains who adhere to a code of honor. And the the fact that we have one who just calls it out in this with Korag, you know, everything he does is for honor. You know, we've had some other honorable villains before, but they never just call it out.
2: Yeah. That was definitely his, his main theme. Um, I would say another theme is, I don't know if this came across, but like uh, in the pilot in the first episode, it was believing in magic, which is a coin. Mm. Yes. But but when we talked about it yesterday and I was asked a similar question, it felt to me like um, believing in magic. What does that mean? Does it mean, you know, a magic wand, or does it? You know, we got asked what is magic, and we all have to take turns. And Kelson mm-hmm. said the magic is, you know, just energy between people. So mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be that you're a wizard or or a witch. Mm-hmm. It can be, you know, magic is all around you. And then the theme of the forest versus the city and mm-hmm. coming together to create that magic. That um, you know, when the when the Rangers lost their magic, it was the mm-hmm. The citizens coming together to create enough magic to defeat the baddies so that's another mm-hmm. the, theme that i think runs strong in mystic forest is just
0: there was a there was a, a te- there's a theme we we toyed around with that as well uh, we toyed around with belief nathan mm-hmm. uh, oh, okay. for for that one because i uh like like you said jackie because that the you know, if you believe in magic, kind of the <laughs> theme kind of really came across strong in those, mm-hmm. f- especially in those first few episodes. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah, belief and and maybe fighting cynicism mm-hmm.
0: uh,
2: and just believing in you know the unbelievable. Yeah. I don't know if mm-hmm. we if we took that over the goal line, but that was definitely something that we we played with in that season,
1: right, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. yeah, power Rangers is a very uncynical franchise. Yeah. Even when it gets dark, it's very uncynical.
3: I know. I know. That's that's uh,
2: that's probably a lot of me.
1: (laughs) Ah, That's good. That's good. And then for Operation Overdrive, uh, I have it down as something else, but I'm going to use the the term that drives Michael crazy. The power of friendship. (laughs)
3: I'll go with that. I'll go with that.
1: Yeah, because it's all about relationships yes. that season, whether it's between the Rangers as a team, as friends. You have the warring brothers with the villains. You have, uh, I can't, oh, crap. I can't remember his name, but like, Birdie Fett. That's what I call him. And oh, the girl.
0: Um Oh crap! It, his name's escaping me too. Yeah, and they they um, have a little
1: bit of a weird relationship. <laughs>
0: it's Mira It's Miratrix and Miratrix, right? Yeah, and the the, the the her the, her part her partner escaped or the name of her partner. Yeah,
1: escapes, yeah. He he's probably the most fashionable villain in all of fiction. Yes.
2: Oh, is it? Um, gosh, who was it? Imperius? No, no, not no, Imperius.
1: Um, uh, that was shoot. Mystic Force.
2: I, was, I He was pretty fashionable.
1: He was a bird-themed yeah. guy. Yeah. Oh, Camdor. 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 That's right. Camdor. Cam,
0: Camdor the Condor. Yes. Yeah, yes, Camdor
1: that. the Condor. Yeah, yeah. And and then obviously Mac and his dad. And yeah, so there's a lot of relational things going on that season. Yeah. You know, Spencer and a lot of the other Rangers, because he's kind of a secondary mentor for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: I, I think that's a pretty... Pretty spot on. I like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. And then another another one you really like, Jungle Fury. We went with proving yourself because that's what all the characters, in one form or another, are trying to do.
2: That's exactly what it is. That's that's mm-hmm. it wasn't very subtle, but I, I, <laughs> I did love that theme of, of proving yourself, and mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I thought that one we were able to to execute very well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And honestly. Clear.
1: Yeah, and honestly, the I think that really becomes clear in Path of the Righteous, where because it was one of those rare instances where Power Rangers surprised me because I'm like, yeah, why didn't Casey get master status? He did the exact same thing all the rest of them did, and then when I saw the like, oh, a leader can't be a follower; he has to be willing to stand up for his convictions, even if it means going against what the people in charge say you got it i like it well done show well done (laughs) oh sounds like we did pretty well michael
0: (laughs) well you did sir i uh uh you 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 came up with most of the themes so so (laughs) jack so before we close out of here uh, Jackie, I really would love for you to take however much time you want to take and, and talk about some of your personal projects, like stuff mm-hmm. like or some passion projects that you're currently working on. Um, mm-hmm. Because I know that you, your career is more uh, than just Power Rangers, but you get you, we want to know what you're working on currently is essentially what I should, is what, essentially what I want to know.
2: Yeah, you know, guys, I I am uh, Power Rangers was was pretty much the scope of my writing experience, and once I yeah. left the show, I, I really didn't find another place to land. So, um, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's okay. That's all right. I mean, I had God, fourteen seasons, twelve seasons, yeah. thirteen years or something. So, um, mm-hmm. no regrets. And yeah, kids TV is just, it's kind of brutal. So I I haven't been able to, to really parlay that experience to another show, but I'm always writing. I do writing consultant consulting and, you know, I wrote a pilot for a show that may or may not ever see the light of day, but um, yeah, this and that, you know, that the Power Rangers is, is pretty much going to be my main, um, writing experience.
0: I mean, if, if, if this is your, if, if that's your main writing experience, I can think of no other way to get it. I can think of no (laughs) better way to get experience, I guess, uh, by being on one of the most iconic kid shows, uh, or one of the most iconic superhero shows, I should say in history. So, um
2: well if i think of like that the, the the child version of me the kid version of me watching all those cartoons and if you would have sure. told me that i would have been writing for a tv show for for this many years that people all over the world would be watching i would think that is a dream come true so mm, yeah, can't do better sure. than that. yeah
1: if i may ask really quickly uh, i mean i think you've kind of answered it already but uh i've, I've Let's see if I can get something a little more specific. Do you, does it ever bother you that you're primarily known for Power Rangers? I know some people can get like that. They're like, I do other things, you know?
2: No, I've never been, I've never been that person. I mean, I I remember we got to meet uh, the... Like the centai the creator of the Sentai who worked on the show for like thirty years at the time. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry, I can't remember his name, but but he had such pride over it. like he had the jacket and he kind of owned it. Like he knew that right. he was doing something that was unique and and he had a lot of pride. and I was like, yeah. i want i I want to be that person. I don't want to be that person that has so much pride about having um put my creative energy into this show that's weird and I love weird. So it was a great fit for me, you know? Yeah. Ticked a lot of my, my boxes about storytelling and sci-fi. And like I said, from Godzilla, like monsters, like all, all the stuff. It was like a dream. He came to New Zealand and I just met him briefly and he had such like, such pride about, he was so interested in the way that we shot Rangers, but, um, yeah i i just admired his the way that he carried himself with so much pride about the show
0: mm. well jackie you have had a you've had a wonderful career and we are incredibly grateful that you've taken time out of your schedule to you know just sit down with us and have a have this conversation it was uh very enlightening um uh, mm-hmm just to, just to be able to talk with you and get some insight of some behind the scenes stuff that, you know, Nate and I have probably speculated, but never had clear answers to, but just being able to talk to you and, and have this really, really delightful conversation has been a pleasure. So thank you so much.
3: Thank you
2: guys. You had wonderful questions and it was fun. I, uh, I like talking to, uh, to people who know the show very well and who, uh, who appreciate it, especially, you know, going through the years, people who still, see that special thing in the show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So i will you. say you know we're pretty deep into power ranger samurai right now and i miss your magic touch <laughs> i was gonna say we miss you we miss you <laughs> we miss you so much
2: we're like why didn't you keep her <laughs> i don't watch the seasons it's it's like you know it's painful for me to watch a seasons after, yeah. after I got let go from the show. It's just like too much. Like I never even right. watched RPM and I know people love it. And no. I know that Eddie is a wonderful writer, but just can't do it. So.
1: Right. I, I, I understand. I totally get it. I mean, yeah, we love RPM, but we can understand that. Why you, it would be hard for you yeah. to watch it. <laughs> just sure. like, I don't need that in my
2: head, but um, yeah, but thanks for saying that. It's, it's, it's been a very, very fun ride and much, yeah. many, many more good memories than, mm-hmm. than bad and lots of good memories. Oh, absolutely.
0: Matters. No doubt. Is there any place that we can direct our listeners to? They can follow you, read some of your writing, anything like that out there?
2: Yeah. Not or- really. I mean, if there's any... If anything ever comes of, of what I'm doing now, I'll let you know. And I'll sure. maybe ask you to put the word out.
1: Sure, um, absolutely. I mean, active. people can certainly follow you on Twitter.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not that interesting. Every once in a while, I post some stuff. But <laughs> I'm not that active on the social. So
3: <laughs> I, 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 can, I
1: I can only imagine what it was like when I first tried to reach out to you, you know, on Twitter. And, you're, and I'm like, hi, I'm also named Marchand and I'm a writer. <laughs>
2: Dude, that was like the thing that set you apart. I hate to say it, but I do get a lot of inquiries. But um, it yeah. turned out to be a really, really nice interview, and you guys are very smart and um, and charming to to talk to. So, oh,
0: thank, thank you, you. Yeah. thank you so
2: much.
1: All right, and with that, once again, thank you very much, Miss Marchand, for joining us today. And speaking of Marchands, may you listeners always write as well as a Marchand.
0: <laughs> and may you never have to feed the script monster. You know, I've got to say it. May the power protect you all. Thank you for listening to The Power Trip, a podcast produced and hosted by Michael Hamilton and Nathan Marching. If you'd like to send us feedback, email us at powertrippod at gmail.com.
1: Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at the thepowertrippod and join our official Facebook group, Power Rangers Legacy. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts,
0: Spotify, YouTube, and other great podcasters. The podcast logo was designed by Rebecca Hudgens. Follow her on Instagram at super underscore r underscore illustrations.
1: Our theme songs are from the album Power of the Grid by Neil Stenson. We also use Galaxy Quest Instrumental by Heaven Wraith from the OC Remix album Jet Force Gemini Mizar Attacks. All film and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied.
0: The Power Trip has no association with Saban Entertainment or Hasbro. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. And until next time, see ya!
1: This podcast is part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcasting Network and is copyright 2022 Kaiju Ramen Media LLC.